Welcome to the Black Sparrow Media Internet Broadcast Network. You are listening to Linux in the Hampshire. LHS is a podcast about Linux, open source, and amateur radio for everyone. Now here are your hosts, Russ, K5TUX, Cheryl, W5MOO, and Bill, NE4RD. Well, hello everybody and welcome. You have tuned in to episode number 313 of Linux in the Hampshire. We have a good deep dive for you tonight. We have the author... Uh, of Grid Tracker, which is a project we have been talking about on the past couple of episodes. So it'll be nice to kind of flesh this one out. But before we do that, I'll introduce you to at least my part of the hosting duties of the most terrific amateur radio podcast on the internet. I'm Russ K5TUX, and Cheryl W5MOO is currently on assignment, but she might show up here later in the program. We'll see. If not, she'll be back for the next one. And we also have. Bill, NE4RD, good evening. And we'll have a new voice on the program tonight because we're going to be talking to Tag Loomis, uh, November Zero, Tango Tango Lima, who is the author of Grid Tracker. And good evening to you. Uh, good evening. Thanks for having me. Well, thanks for being here. We always are a little surprised when we ask for an interview and people say yes, but, you know, we'll, we'll take it. <laughs> so uh, um, it's usually because they haven't heard the show before. Um, so, <laughs> which is, uh, as I understand it is the case here, but, uh, what we'll do first is we'll let you kind of introduce yourself, tell us who you are and maybe give us a little bit of your history in the computing and the amateur radio world. And it, uh, has already come to my attention that it's much broader than I had previously suspected. So, uh, feel free to just tell us as much or as little about yourself as you like. All right. Yeah, this is, uh, I'm Stephen Loomis, uh, N0TTL, as you already said. Uh, I, uh, started ham radio in 91 with my no code tech. Uh, back then it was N0OAW and I left, let it lapse around 2001, um, and kind of been out of it since then. But, uh, I started, uh, my, uh, I guess my career was in BIOS development. I worked for Phoenix Technologies writing BIOS for PCs and, uh, embedded devices. And then uh, six years, seven years later, I started working for uh, Nullsoft uh, before we were purchased by AOL Time Warner, where I was working with the Winamp team, and I wrote or rewrote the Shoutcast media server. And as a profession since then, I've pretty much been in streaming radio, uh, working for a company based out of Montreal, um, doing uh, just that, streaming radio for radio stations throughout the world. All right, wow. very good. So I have a question for you. Did you ever whip the llama's ass? <laughs> <laughs> did did not whip the llama's ass. <laughs> no, but AOL did that to Time Warner back in the day, and I was also an employee of AOL Time Warner back in the <laughs> that that mess of a era. <laughs> it was it was great times. Yes. <laughs> oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> all right, very good. So let's talk a little bit about the project that we're all here to find out about: Grid Tracker. Obviously, you're into digital mode work and, and weak signal mode work with WSJTX because that's kind of what Grid Tracker is all about. 
So maybe you could give us a little bit of the the genesis of Grid Tracker. Well, uh, in November 2017 was when I got my uh, general ticket. Um, at the same time, I got my tech. I took both tests and, and decided to get on the air after playing with SDRs for a couple of years. Finally got a um, an up converter so I could tune into HF and found FT8, this uh, digital mode out there, and found WSJTX and was playing with the SDRs and was um, kind of disappointed that I couldn't talk back. And so um, got my ticket and started playing. And I was using a uh, – ICOM has a sheet of paper, uh, a map that they, they – uh, that you can download for free, which is a um, black and white map of the United States with all the grids laid out. And I was using a highlighter to mark my grids. And I thought, wouldn't it be great if I could see this on a map in real time? And that's kind of how it happened. I was just, I wanted to see where the grids were because, uh, you know, when a call came in, somebody calling CQ, uh, their call sign DN79, well, where's DN79? And so, um, uh, that's that's pretty much where it came from. I wanted to see well, what was going on, and uh, it kind of was born from that. So did the project start out of anything, or did you literally code it straight from hand? Is it built on a framework or anything, or and uh, what is it written in? Um, it's it's built on the NW, NWJS framework, which was formerly known as Node WebKit, um, and it's written entirely in JavaScript. So I use a Chromium Engine with a Node uh, uh, support. All right. Well, the nice thing about all of that is it becomes sort of instantaneously cross-platform because it's uh, Java script-based. So that is nice. And I know I've used it on Windows, Linux, and Mac already, and I've only been using it for about two weeks. Um, and we're going to talk about all of that as well. Um, so do you do you know, I mean, you obviously know the license of your project, but do you know the license of the underlying frameworks and such? Um, most things are either MIT or uh, uh, GNU uh, licensed. As far as uh, uh, NWJ, NWJS is um, GNU and um, Open Layers is GNU as well. Um, and I've hadn't had to modify it. It's used as is. So I ship the libraries with the with the program, um, and the code is all available. The license for Grid Tracker itself is closed, but um, the source code is. Uh, at your fingertips. Since it's entirely written in JavaScript, there's no obfuscation or compression, so you can actually go navigate to the program directory, go into the the package folder, and actually snoop around and play around and and tinker as you, as you want. If you want to release anything or make any changes uh, publicly, just let me know and we can talk about it. All right. So, do you have any other developers on the project? I know there's at least one other call sign that shows up in the splash screen, uh, but anybody else you want to recognize as being, um, you know, core to the project? Uh, well, core to the project for sure is Henry and 2VFL. He has been um, instrumental in all of my graphics and the original ideas. Um, he also does all of our uh, uh, nonsense and stuff imagery that's on our website. Um, and he was responsible for the initial documentation, which has kind of stalled out for now, but we hope to return to it pretty soon. Um, in addition, I'd like to mention uh, Rory, K5CKS, and uh, uh, Tommy, K4XB, as they've been um, daily uh, checking out um, all my releases, um, you know, uh, five minutes here, five minutes there, I'm writing something new, writing something new over and over. You know, every time I come out with something new, they're ready to test it. So they've, uh, they've been my workhorses as far as beta testing. So you're, you're talking about five minutes here, five minutes there. I, is this your 
like your profession now or are you still doing it on the side or whatever? Um, well, when I, when I'm not working and I'm not working here on, on the farm, uh, yeah, it's, it's kind of all consuming of my time. Um, and you know, when I get an idea in my head, I want to write a chat server and I, I dive into it and 30 minutes later, an hour later, we have something tangible. I can say, Hey, here, check it out. So it's, it's a constantly moving, uh, organic development. That's for sure. There's no, uh, um, no sprints, no planned release dates. It's as I get things done, we push it out. Do you ever feel like you would put it into like a code repository for downloading so people can get those sort of instantaneous updates or do you like the sort of, you know, <clears throat> monolithic download model? I, I actually hate it. What I really um, enjoy things like Spotify and Discord, the, the self-updaters, and I know it's possible. Um, with uh, the engine that I'm using now, I just haven't got around to it yet. There's so many things that I have yet to do, um, and it's yes, yeah, it's on the roadmap uh, to self self update. Um, but as of putting everything up on a repository for download, I haven't really thought about that. All right, fair enough. So since we're talking about downloading the application, where does one go to download the application? You can visit tagloomis.com/downloads. All right, simple enough, and. I know you have a Discord server because I am on it, and I know you do some sort of live tech support when you're available on there, and you said there is some documentation. Is that like the best place to get help with it if you're uh, looking to you know get started and find information? Yeah, if you visit our website, uh, taglumis.com, um, under our contact links, we have uh, email, Twitter feed, and uh, Discord link, and it takes you right to us. And yeah, we're there 24-7. We have people from all over the world. Somebody's awake. So if you have trouble and it's 3 a.m., you'll probably find an answer. And if you get far enough, there's actually chat inside of the application, too. So you might be able to find some help there, too. But we're going to get to that a little bit later. So. We'll talk first about just the general idea of what Grid Tracker is and what it does and how it integrates with WSJTX. So maybe give us an overview of how it works. Well, uh, it listens to live traffic, live output from the from WSJTX and uh, interprets the messages that are sent by each of the stations and can represent grids on on the map. On a, on a world map, and um, if traffic is, if I know the grids or grid tracker knows the grids of two stations that are talking to each other, a animated path will appear between them and will show you the direction in which the traffic is moving. I have noticed that, and I really uh, enjoy that feature, especially when the path from my QTH to the receiving QTH is a very, very long way. <laughs> uh, i got a couple of... Uh, contacts in japan on 20 meters earlier today so that's always fun um so <clears throat> the the idea is that um there's a there's a udp sort of transmission engine built into wsjtx that just blast packets out when it is doing something and w and uh, that sort of allows anybody to code a, a udp packet receiver to decode those packets and do something with them which is what grid tracker does um okay Go ahead. Oh, right. Yeah, exactly. Uh, it's, it's using the, the QT5, uh, 
uh, streamed or serialized message protocol. And so, yeah, we get real time updates for if you, uh, for each decode cycle, you know, there's 17 decodes per decode or per, per round. We'll get all that information. You change your frequency, you change your call sign, you change who your DX call is. Um, you, the report value of what their signal report is. Any, pretty much any activity that goes on WSJTX is sent out over this UDP, uh, protocol. Right. And Grid Tracker is a receiver for that and it does useful things with that information, which is nice. Now, this, this brings me to my first little, um, I don't want to call it a complaint, but my first little suggestion, maybe it seems like the, the default action is to listen on the local machine, which, uh, for most purposes, I would think is, you know, sane, but it would kind of be nice if you could program the, the host, the WSJTX host. Um, so there's not necessarily listening just on localhost. Okay. Well, with WSJTX by default sends to localhost 127.0.0.1, you can change that IP to anything you want. In fact, you can change it to a, the multicast IP like 224.0.0.1. And so WSJTX will start blasting those UDP packets throughout your entire local LAN. I didn't see any way to configure the listening host. Um, so does it listen to 127.001 IE localhost or does it listen to everything? So uh, we were talking about grid tracker. Grid tracker will listen to where you tell it. Uh, the, uh, WSJTX is just, it's a unidirection, right? So it's just passing out, uh, to whatever IP you tell it, either multicast or a single IP. And so there's no connection, right? So it's just going to blast it out. In Grid Tracker, by default, it will try to read your WSJTX INI file and determine which port it should be listening on and what IP. Um, by default, Grid Tracker listens to the all interfaces uh, when it fires up. So it's listening to all interfaces at the default port in this, in WSJTX, it's 2237. You can ch- and change that IP right there, uh, to, um, or you can't change the IP, but you can change to multicast and then pick your multicast IP. Right. Okay. That was sort of what I was getting to. So I was, I was curious if it was listening just to localhost or if it was listening to everything and it's clearly listening to everything. So if you program WSJTX to send to a remote IP address, it will hear it. That's uh, correct. <clears throat> okay. Excellent. That's, that was my, my issue sort of. Um, and there's a lot more to the networking that we're going to get to. I don't want to jump into that now. What I, what I want to talk about now is when you, let's say you have WSJTX up and running and it's actually like, on a frequency and decoding FT8. Um, so the invocation of grid tracker is very easy. You just download the, the tarball for your particular distribution, whether it be Windows or Mac or Linux. You start up grid tracker and it will immediately just start receiving, uh, packets from the local machine, uh, assuming that's how you have WSJTX configured and it'll start showing you interesting information. However, there are some basic parameters you should probably set up right away. And I would ask you to tell us what those would be. Just sort of like the, the things you should definitely set when you started up for the first time. Okay. Uh, so the, one of the very first things you want to, to do, especially if you want to, uh, if you're, if you're hunting, uh, us states as an example, um, is to open up settings and go to the lookups tab and enable the us call sign database. That's really helpful. The reason I, I don't ship it with uh, grid tracker as it's, it changes, you know, uh, weekly 
from the ULS database from the FCC. So we have, I have the option for you to use it and then download it weekly. Um, that's really important. Another feature is to select a, um, a call sign lookup service. By default, Grid Tracker is set to use call look, which only has the US call signs. Um, but I support HamQTH, QRZ.com, and QRZCQ.com. Uh, so if you have an account on either of those, then you'll be able to get more information about uh, when you do a call sign lookup within within a program. Um, obviously, that, well, the next step would be to set up your audio card. We have an audio tab uh, configuration where you can select which uh, sound card you want audio alerts to be sent to. Uh, so it's a good idea to to hand pick which audio card you want to use versus using uh, the default. Um, I've had examples of this where people who have um, installed this and uh, using WSJTX, they're driving their cat control, they're driving their sound card, um, and all of a sudden there's a, a, a grid tracker acknowledgement that gets blasted out over the air um, due to misconfigurations. So it's a good idea to double check your sound card. Um, beyond that, um, you know, once it fires up, when Grid Tracker fires up, it will look um, for a JTDX or WSJTX installation. And if it does, will attempt to load uh, its ADI file. So it'll pull up all your previous QSOs um, and have them ready for you. Um, but it would, if you have other log files, let's say you've worked CW or phone, um, you want to go to the settings logging tab and you can select um, at startup a particular file, an ADIF file, um, to load at startup. Um, so if you've been working, let's say you worked FT8 uh, for a few hours a day, then you switch and you work phone um, and you come back and you load grid tracker, you can actually load in your previous contacts from you know your other modes. Um, the logging tab is actually one of the sort of <laughs> busiest tabs in the application because you have the ability to load information from all over the place, from logbook of the world to HRD log club, log PSK reporter, local files, QRZ, N3FJP, uh, log for OM. So you could, you could conceivably log to all of these and bring in the logs from all of these and show them on the grid tracker display. That's right. Um, and well, actually, we can only load. We only load uh, from local files or QRZ and Club Log uh, and LO2W. I'm sorry. The there's five that we only send to. Uh, we don't have uh, bidirectionality with N1MM Logger, Log4OM, um, AC Log, DX Keeper, and HRD Logbook. Uh, do not have. A, um, I don't pull the logs yet from those. So right now it's only one, one way, but it, if you have a QSO, you don't want it lost. Um, you send it to your other log service and that log service can send it up to your various, uh, providers. Okay. And it will send, uh, QSOs to PSK reporter as well. Uh, WSGTX handles that. So if you have in your configuration to send to your spots to PSK reporter, that's how they get there. Okay. Excellent. Um, so let me go back to my syllabus here so I don't forget something. <laughs> uh, so, so now that's, that's like the core. Now, as far as like your station and all that kind of information, the grid square, that all comes from WSJTX. That's actually reported by WSJTX. So you don't have to set any of that, correct? That's correct. All right. Well, that certainly makes it easy. As long as that information is correct in WSJTX, you're good to go. Um, so, so that's a minimal configuration that will sort of get you up and started. Um, when you, when you bring grid tracker up, you're presented with a map 
um, which you can actually change the centering on. Uh, that's actually in the general options tab. So you might want to center it, say, I don't know, on your home QTH uh, to make a certain amount of sense there. Uh, but you could certainly pick any grid square to start up. Uh, you can change the default value on distances to miles or kilometers or, or even nautical miles um, if you're of that persuasion, I suppose. Um, uh, under the lookups tab, you do have the ability to download a bunch of call sign lookup databases. Uh, you mentioned the U.S. call sign database. There's also uh, LOTW and EQSL, and those are configurable so that you can download them automatically uh, every seven days, which is nice. Um, so I guess we need to talk a little bit about the right-hand column when Grid Tracker starts up because there's a lot of information there. But maybe you can just kind of uh, go like top to bottom and tell us like everything that you'll see in that right-hand column. Okay, um, I can do that, and I can tell you about any hidden features if you want. Uh, sure. In this. Okay, so um, uh, the very first one, Grid Tracker, uh, the name of the program. But if you click it. Uh, the map, the the right panel will disappear, and the map goes full screen to the size of your window. A little chevron will appear if you click it, and the menu will come back. So, uh, let's see, are you still there? Oh yeah, yep. yep. Oh. <laughs> Just go go right ahead. Run down okay, the list okay. here. <laughs> okay, so and then yeah, the working frequency, uh, as reported by WSGTX or JTTX, um, and the band, uh, your band and current mode, um, and then there's time UTC, which if you click the time will change to your local time. So if um, you click it, it'll say you know your time zone. Uh, However, you however you have your local times set up, it will display properly. So um, this displays correctly if you're in the UK or Germany or whatever your uh, time format will display in that time format. Otherwise, if you click it again, it brings it back to UTC standard. Um, next is the uh, uh, receive, um, which is the indicator from WSGTX what's what's going on. Current decode cycle will turn blue. If you're transmitting, it will say transmit. If you click on it, it will tell Grid Tracker to ignore messages from Grid Tracker. I mean, from WSGTX. So if you like what's on the screen, you don't want anything to change. Um, you're not actually working uh, working the band. This allows you to look around on the map and and uh, and not be bothered by new traffic coming in from WSGTX. Uh, the next part is the PSK reporter band activity, which is called every at startup and then every 15 minutes. And it shows the, um, the general weight in your, in your grid for what mode you're on, um, what the activity is in your area, uh, what's been heard and who, who's being heard and who's transmitting. And so this kind of gives you an idea of where all the traffic's going, um, and what band you might want to hop on and play around. Um, and then there's a little yellow circle around uh, a, a one of the, the band that you're currently on. So if you change bands in WSJTX, that little yellow circle will move to um, to that band. All right, excellent. Uh, we're okay. we're all following along, so you just you just okay. keep on trucking until we uh, interrupt you. <laughs> okay, okay, perfect. All right. So uh, the next part is your your call sign and your grid square as you've typed it into WSJTX. If you go change it. If you go into WSJTX and make a change to your configuration, that is reflected immediately here. Um, the next part is your calling, and that is the uh, the boxes in WSJTX called DX call, 
and DX grid. Um, those are the call sign and grid square of the station you may be calling um, and their signal report, uh, their last signal report. And then below that, I fill that in based on the prefix. Um, so in my case, UN57JO is in Kazakhstan, and it would say Kazakhstan about down below. And then uh, the distance and azimuth uh, from, your lo- from your grid square, from the center of your grid square. Um, f- okay. So then the followed, following, oh, so the quick little uh, trick here. If you click the call sign, left click, it will do a lookup. If you right-click the call sign, it will open up your worked list and search for it. So if you have a call sign, you want to know if, if you've worked them on 40 and 80 and 30. But if you you don't know if you've worked them on 20 or not, if you right-click, it'll pull up your worked. If you hold down shift right-click on that call sign, it will move it to check your confirmed list. Um, so you can see where where you've confirmed them on, on various bands and modes. Um, if you left-click the grid... Um, the map will center on that grid. So that's the that's the special features of that. So then we have uh, the four informational or our counters, which are the number of active grids that have been heard, um, the number of call signs that we've heard in since Grid Tracker has started, the number of countries DXCCs that have been heard, and your number of QSOs. In my case, I have eighteen hundred and thirty six. We have QSLs, your your confirmed contacts. Um, LCD stands for uh, uh, low confidence decodes, and that's a gives you an indicator of what the, the the conditions are for decoding. Even though it's weak signal, we get some really weak ones. And so, if WSJTX has issues decoding a, a a station, it will present it over UDP, but it will flag it as it's it's iffy if this is good or not. And so, we keep track of those. And if you click on LCDs, it will open up a list and show you what those unmet, unknown messages are. Um, and in some cases, like with, since they added a uh, compound call sign support, um, some call signs will show up as a, a left arrow, dot, 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 right arrow or greater than. Um, and I, because I don't know uh, what that, what the message is about. I don't know who it's talking to. I knew who it's talking from, but it's for me in grid tracker, I consider it an unknown decode and throw it in this list along with the low confidence decodes. Um, let's see. And then we have decodes in that same section. Um, and that's since for the life of grid tracker, or since you did a clear live, um, the button below decodes clear live will clear all live data that we've heard since startup. Um, but in the, if you have not cleared it, it's the number of decodes Grid Tracker has seen since it started up. Um, and then the, finally, the last value is the number of decodes uh, in the last decode round uh, provided by WSJTX. Um, and if you click on any of those uh, calls, DXECs, QSO, QSL, last, um, and decodes will actually take you to uh, a stats page for each of those. So if you want a, a quick jump to see your QSOs, uh, click the word or the number, and it will open up the stats view to your work list. Um, and it does that for each of those uh, QSLs. And and if you hit click decodes, it opens up a history where we have um, a graph of uh, over time of all the number of decodes per round per band.
Yeah, I've been clicking on things as you've been going down the list, and um, that so far the last five minutes of you talking has made this application like just so much better <laughs> 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 because I'm finding like all the stuff that I didn't have any idea you could actually do. I just don't randomly, you know. Usually when I see an interface, I don't go around just like randomly clicking on things, which I guess I'm going to start doing from now on because uh, clearly there's a lot of information there. Um, <laughs> But yeah, fantastic. Uh, looking at all the different, uh, views and everything. And the, the thing about seeing the, um, the worked information that that's like the best thing I've heard all day. <laughs> uh, trying to figure out because I, because trying to use like the logger I've been using to try and figure out if I've already worked a station on a particular band and mode has, has been nightmarish. Uh, and to be able to see it in here, uh, that's incredible. Um, so I guess we'll just let you go ahead and move on to the uh, QSO and live view section. Okay. Uh, so yeah, so we, we did, uh, skip over the clear live. Um, well, let's, I wanted to talk about the clear QSO button. Okay. Um, and, and that's above the QSO live view. If you press that, um, you will clear all your internal QSO data in grid tracker. Um, and this allows, uh, this will clean out and, um, if you have loaded, let's say you loaded a, somebody else's ADI file into Grid Tracker, and the reason I mention this is Grid Tracker is sticky with the ADI files that loads. So once it loads them, it will keep them uh, for the next time. So it saves to disk, and if you shut down Grid Tracker, it will reload them when you fire back up. So you don't have to keep going through this process of loading the ADI files over and over and over again. I'll keep them around. But in the case where I've been handed by uh, a couple of uh, guys when I was doing initial testing, I I was given a 90 meg ADI file that goes back to 1943 um, <laughs> <laughs> with like 197,000 entries. And he, and he said, here, try this and see if it breaks grid tracker. <laughs> and sure enough, it did. But <laughs> um, I fixed it. And, uh, but it came to the point that, you know, well, I can't have this data just lying around. So now you, you can clear out your, your, what we call junk ADI files if, if you get stuck. And if you clear it, you can, the button changes to reload and then you can reload your sources, um, except for uh, anything that you've dragged and dropped onto Grid Tracker. That's another feature of, of the logging here is if you have an ADI file, you can drag it from your folder right uh, from your desktop, right on top of Grid Tracker, and it will load it. And you really think about this stuff, don't you? <laughs> <laughs> I try. <laughs> uh, so, uh, so yeah, so let's talk about QSO Live View. Um, now, right now on your screen, it probably says, and by default, it says auto for both. And auto means whatever WSJTX is doing. So if you change bands uh, to from 20 to 30, uh, or you change from FT8 to FT4, Grid Tracker is going to s track what uh, the view, the what you're seeing in the maps with the grids and the lines, is going to uh, switch to uh, that mode or and band. Um, you can selectively, let's say you've got a 190,000 entry log file, and you have um, you know, want to see what you've done at 17 meters, click on band 17 meters, click on mode, uh, phone, and you will see your uh, 17 meter phone contacts um, on the map. Um, so yeah, so that's how you can move around and, and, and see what you've worked through for through the various modes and bands for your logs. All right, excellent. And I mean, the default view is really nice, but it is it is a great feature to be able to kind of drill down and see exactly what you want to look at. Um, 
especially if you're working a specific uh, specific band and mode uh, it's nice to sort of filter it out to just see like what you're dealing with um i do want to touch on the because it's not here in the in the menu specifically but if you get a cq from wsgtx that specifies like a state or a region you get a red highlight area so can you like talk a little bit about that and like how how robust that option is Sure. Uh, so if somebody calls CQ uh, a U.S. state uh, with two letters, um, and in some cases three letters, uh, I will highlight that state. So if somebody calls CQ ND, uh, their call sign and their grid, I will highlight North Dakota. If they say CQ, uh, if, we, if they broadcast CQ NA, I will highlight North America. Uh, CQ US highlights uh, the continental United, or the, the United States, Alaska, and Hawaii. Um, but if somebody says uh, CQ uh, AL, Alaska will highlight. Um, CQ EU will highlight uh, Europe. Um, and for most of the, uh, oh, I'm sorry, uh, for all the continents are supported, US states are supported, and um, all the DXCCs by primary prefix. So if somebody calls uh, CQR, as an example, R being the primary prefix of uh, European Russia, European Russia will will have a border around it with a red line into the center. Yeah, that's really cool because if you're looking for, because if somebody's looking for specifically like Montana or Missouri, which is where Bill and I are, uh, if somebody's specifically calling for that and looking to to make contact in those areas, it will highlight, you know, uh, the state in that area. I've also seen um, uh, CQNA, which will highlight all of North America and so on. Uh, which is really neat because you can see right at a glance that somebody's actually out there CQing and wants, you know, your area or your specific uh, continent or location or DXCC entity, which is really neat. Yeah, it's, uh, that's true. So, yeah. <laughs> if, <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, sorry, I just got uh, sidetracked. One second. <laughs> no problem. I'm about to get sidetracked, too. Hey, Bill, you want to you handle, like, the next couple of questions? <laughs> Oh, I don't even know where we're at. I've been uh, loading my log up and everything else. <laughs> uh, well, he, he's been moving down the right-hand column, and now he's still at all the buttons, and there's lots of all buttons. All the buttons. So, yeah, Didn't you, you can talk about something about these buttons last time. Yeah, and I didn't realize that a lot of the buttons have, like, multiple functions or multiple states that the, the buttons can be in, and I finally figured out the set or, you know, the the way that I want the buttons to be. Uh, to to really make it uh, useful to me. Um, But yeah, if you want to start running through like what the buttons do and what the different states of the buttons are, um, because they they are incredibly useful. Well, let me start off by saying, uh, just don't randomly press the buttons. I have can't tell you how many emails I've gotten from people saying, um, grid tracker's not working for me. And I'll say, send me a screenshot of your buttons. And I'm like, oh, this is wrong. This is wrong. This is wrong. And they're like, well, how do I know that? I'm like, well, you were just clicky clicky when you first installed it. That's what you're supposed to do, right? Yeah. <laughs> no, I just, I think we just talked about the fact that I don't actually do that, but it turns out that I did just start randomly clicking on the buttons to see what they did. And it turns out, um, some of them are incredibly useful. Let me, let me start with one just to, just to go off the top here. Uh, there in the top row on the far right, there's a button that says, uh, MH4. Okay. And that's your maidenhead grid square indicator. And the four means it's the four letter you know, like EM37 for me. And if you click it, it changes to MH6. 
which gives you the six-letter Maidenhead Grid Square Indicator. Now, I will say, the first thing I noticed about this feature is, if you go to MH6 mode, then your grid squares get very, very small, and they're hard to see. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But they are there. So if you, like, zoom in on the map, you can definitely see those tiny little grid squares. Um, but I, I found that leaving it in MH4 makes me feel like I've worked a lot more area. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And uh, MH6, it's, it's a great, but it's not really, uh, you know, it's not for WSJTX since WSJTX only deals in four wide. What it's really nice for is when you're viewing your logs and as reported from QRZ or LATW, which will change those four wide grids into six wide, you could really get specific on knowing what region you actually hit in a particular area. Um, one thing I've noticed is that, like you just said, um, it WSJTX sort of only deals in four wide. But if you click on MH6, your QTH's um, grid square goes to the six, which means it basically disappears. <laughs> so you, um, because you, you yours just is zoom set, in further. <laughs> yeah, you just have to <laughs> zoom in further. But it's kind of nice to not zoom in further because you want to see all of these wonderful grid squares that are that are chatting to each other and that you can work. You know, you don't want to see these tiny little things where, you know, you have to zoom the map in so far that you can only see like a hundred mile distance or something like that. So, uh, but anyway, let's start at the top left and I'll let Bill sort of, uh, sort of walk you or you can walk Bill through a few of these buttons. Yeah. What's this online offline deal? So, um, exactly that. Um, by default, Grid Tracker is uh, communicating online for all the map resources, communicating with your loggers, communicating with PSK Reporter. Um, if you click it, it will actually switch modes. That is, it, it will load a local map, uh, which is 32 megs on disk. It's a black and white map from Stamen called the Toner Map, which has no labels. But if you are having a field day, you have no internet access, this is how you can continue to operate Grid Tracker, WSJTX, and get those contacts on a map without being connected to the internet. Awesome. Yeah, that looks good. And then, of course, we have the gray line, right? That's the next one here, the earth yep. shadow. Yeah, that's the gray line. And on and off, there's not much to it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then we have the grid call, the, the call table or callable roster. Oh, gee, I can't even speak right. Open call roster. What yep. is that about? Uh, the call roster. So this is like a separate program in and of itself within Grid Tracker. Um, and this this little window here lets you see what you need to work visually. Um, every decode cycle, it will give you a list of calls and what they're calling out their little grids. And if you click on one of the call signs, um, WSJTX will start a QSO with them. Oh, sweet. So a little like having the receive window right here inside the app. Right. And so if you have confirmed grids from QRZ, you've got all your logs loaded and, you know, you've been working 20 meters for the, like all of us for a year now, um, you probably don't have any new grids. So you can come into this uh, callable roster, select hunting new grids, and only new grids that you want will show up in the list. Well, if it's me, it would be like, I need them all. (laughs) (laughs) I have them all on JT65. So (laughs) I just, I I have, I just started with uh, FT8 and then I I took a hiatus on my, uh, on my antenna. (laughs) So uh, I don't have so many on my list here, but uh, see the next button here flips between uh, showing the grid squares highlighted and uh, drop pins on the map. 
That right? seems like about the only feature there. Uh, pretty much. Um, if you switch to MH6 mode while in pin mode, um, we change to the PSK reporter pin color style. Ah, yes. Um, but that's only in MH6 mode. This is uh, for people who um, we have a lot of people who are soft uh, shortwave listeners, SWL, yep. and they're used to the PSK reporter style interface. So this was written for them, the pin mode, um, who didn't really care for grids. They just wanted to see their little flags. Little yeah, that's that's quite nice. Colors. And I like the fact that you can uh, you know, hover over top of the pin and get all the detailed information of that uh, that particular uh, area and contact that you made there which is uh, quite a nice touch. I have a question about the next button, the awards button. Uh, we missed one. Well, we're no, we're going to go to the, go to the view. view. Okay, <laughs> talk about the QSO view first, and then we'll Jeez. go to the awards. Sorry, I didn't mean to jump ahead on everybody. <laughs> out loud. We can't there, skip any buttons. They're all, so many, uh, oh, the thing is, the thing is, uh, if, you, if you enable all those logging functions, you'll get more buttons. Oh, no, I don't want more buttons. <laughs> <laughs> no more buttons. <laughs> All right, so talk about the QSO button. Yeah, select the grid view. So what? Well, I see some stuff disappearing on my screen when I cycle through these. Look like there's three settings you can choose from. Right, uh, there's QSO Live and QSO Live. And so QSO is your uh, log files, uh, confirmed and worked. Uh, that would be the red and yellow squares. Um, live is actual live traffic from WSJTX and uh, QSO Live is both of them mixed. And if you are hearing traffic uh, between two stations and you've worked that grid square, it will split from a yellow, uh, yellow and blue triangle. As an example, if you've confirmed, it'll be a red triangle split with a blue triangle. Hmm. And if you mouse over either side of that uh, triangle or split grid square, it will show you the worked status if it's red, and if you mouse over the blue section, it'll show you the live data so nothing is lost. Well, that's pretty slick. And then uh, the award cycle option that uh, poor uh, Russ was so concerned about. It looks like you can <laughs> cycle through uh, we got what, CQ zones, ITU, worked all continents, worked all states, DXCC, USC, I'm assuming that's grid squares? Uh, U.S. counties. U.S. counties. Okay, there you go. Sorry. And uh, what else we got there? I like think that's a, it. That's it. So what was your question on that? I, I want to see the grid squares and the highlighted area, not not just one. The grid squares and the highlighted area. I want to what see I want to see my I want to see the QSO data and the award data, not just one or the other. If you if you click on one of the awards things, it shows you the area. Is um, oh, you lose the the grids. You lose the grids unless there's some way, unless there's some reason why you lose the, lose the grids. Maybe you can elucidate. Uh, <laughs> press uh, press U uh, uniform. Wow! Look at that. <laughs> <laughs> A hidden feature. <laughs> A hidden feature. That's right. <laughs> How about that? All right, excellent. So for those who missed it. <laughs> Uh, if you cycle through the awards modes, it will show you the, the various sections, whether it's worked all countries, worked all states, uh, DXCC or whatnot. And if you toggle, if you press U, the uniform key, it will toggle your grid squares on and off. So you can see both the award area and your grid squares at the same time. Outstanding. <laughs> so another bonus uh, hidden feature if you press one through six on the keyboard you will cycle from no award layer through each of the award, award layers and so you can go to a specific one 
Uh, is this stuff documented or, or like people <laughs> no, finding out no. about this for the first time? Is it- <laughs> yeah, this is pretty much. Yeah, there is no documentation. <laughs> <laughs> the best kind. I'm so glad we're doing this episode because you've made this. Ep- I mean, I was in love with the application like earlier today. I already told you that. Now I'm ten times more in love with it because it does way more than you could even suggest. Oh, there's more to come. Oh, I know. No. I know. Sweet. All right. So what happens when you press the ear? <laughs> Uh, that mutes uh, text-to-speech and audio alerts. Yes, I know. This thing can tell you when stuff is happening. How cool is that? Where did you, you get the, or what are you using for the speech-to-text, or text-to-speech engine? Well, uh, unfortunately for most of your uh, listeners uh, who use Linux, there is no text-to-speech option available in Grid Tracker for the Linux platform uh, that I have found yet. I'm, I'm looking for a, an easy solution for text-to-speech, and as soon as I find one, I'll add it. <laughs> Okay. Well, that explains why I've never heard anything. <laughs> All right. Well, that's cool. But but what things can you hear if you are using a system that has it available to you? Well, um, our alerts, the alerts will alert on uh, uh, call signs, grids, DXCCs, uh, news and unconfirmed CQ zones, ITU zones, U.S. states. Um, you can alert uh, with a media file, and I ship around 500 or so uh, little audio clips that you can use for your alerts in, in as opposed to using text-to-speech. So you do have an audio solution on Linux, and it's through media files. Um, so you can specify what we call audio alerts on, the, on those options. We have uh, custom alerts. Let's say you have a particular call sign you want to hunt or look be on the lookout for. In my case, I want to at some day someday uh, get Joe Taylor k1jt so i have his call sign in here and i have an alert set to fire forever um every time he makes a a broadcast and wsjtx sends me his message i will get an alert that he's he's online and so maybe one day i can go work him um you can also uh, uh alert on uh particular grid squares or a group of grid squares so let's say you're hunting let me find a good example um, let's say you want, uh, in Quebec, you want, uh, stations in Quebec and you want to alert on any FO, uh, Frank Oscar grids. You can type in, uh, in your custom alerts, create one for FO and grids F, FO 00 through FO 99 will cause an alert as an example. Oh, that's cool. You can also alert on anybody calling you with a QRZ. So if uh, somebody calls you specifically, let's say you're you, you're online, you're running Grid Tracker, and someone notices you're running Grid Tracker, and they've checked the PSK spots and know you're listening because they because you've reported to PSK Reporter that you heard them, they can call you directly by your call sign. And let's say you're off watching a TV show, we can alert uh, Grid Tracker will alert you that someone's calling you. Okay, this is just getting way too cool. <laughs> I'm going to be doing so much more FT8. Um, like That's him. not real ham radio. I know. Hey, 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 hey! Back off, buddy. You, you have a bazillion FT8 contacts in your logbook. I know you do. Uh, no, well, not a bazillion. <laughs> you have a lot. I I have a few, and you also have some JT9 and JC, JT65, which is I the have same a thing. Ton so. of JT65. Yeah, exactly the same. Thing. So, all right, let's oh. move on to the stats button. Okay, uh, so uh, let's talk about one other special hotkey. Press okay, F1. all right, cool hotkeys. I love hotkeys. Press F1. <laughs> F1. All right. Look at that! A hotkey that shows you the hotkeys. <laughs> <laughs> 
So there's some documentation. Um, yeah, look, there's some <laughs> map layers there that show up, one through seven. Look at that. Yeah. Uh, so and another feature here in the hot list here is um, one of the nice things for the map is F5 through F10. Um, uh, if you're holding down the shift key and on a particular section of the map, it will save that map view. And then using that without the shift key. So if you uh, press shift F6 on Hawaii, and then zoom around, and then press F6 later, it will take you back to Hawaii. Okay, you spend way too much time on this application. <laughs> but I think everyone's going to be the better for it. That's slick. It is slick. <laughs> and another shortcut, hot and the thing, Like uh, the yeah. best parts of this application, no one can possibly know about it unless you tell them. <laughs> <laughs> like, who reads manuals? Come on. You know. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. <laughs> uh, Henry, N2VFL, uh, bless his heart, he, he did the documentation in the beginning, and I, I was moving so fast. He was like, I, I can't keep up with you, and pretty much stopped uh, June, April or June last year, and was like, I can't, I can't do it anymore, and then got a real job. And so... <laughs> <laughs> And so it's been kind of died on the vine. At some point, we'll get back to it. Another uh, hidden feature is if you have stats or settings or this uh, hotkey menu open, if you press escape, it'll close it. So you don't actually have to go find the X and close it. You can press escape. All right. Very cool. All right. So we got lots more buttons to get to. So stats button. <laughs> okay. So the stats button brings up a list of tabs from uh, and it starts out with a lookup. Um, you can hear, you can type in a call sign and do a lookup through your favorite lookup service that you set up through the general settings. Um, so you can type in a call and do a lookup, and that's pretty much self-explanatory. Uh, DXCC tab shows you, uh, based on your current QSO live view, and if you're doing auto for abandoned mode, um, it will tell you, you're, in my case, I'm viewing 80 meters auto, FT8 auto, and it will show you the uh, the list of herd stations since you started Grid Tracker on this band, um, the stations you've worked, uh, the stations you've confirmed, and the ones needed. In my case, uh, out of the 340 DXCCs, I need 323 of them. I think I need them all. <laughs> <laughs> um, next tab is CQ zones, and that's self-explanatory. Same as before, worked, confirmed, and needed. ITU zones. Um, WAC, WADS as a mixture, is uh, worked all continents and worked all states. Um, and then the worked tab is all of your worked, uh, your basically your log file here. Um, it's showing you uh, sorted initially by call sign. Each of the columns here, if you click on a column name like station, grid, band, or mode, if you click on band as an example, it will sort by band. If you click it again, it will reverse sort. Cool. Um, if you type in a call sign partial, uh, I don't know if I've ever worked you, but if you uh, type in, um, you know, you're, uh, somebody you have know you've worked, type in a partial call sign, it will, the list will get shorter as it uh, searches through the list and filters and displays that. All right. And it, page, <clears throat> and it paginates to 500 calls or 500 entries per page. Um, in my case, I've got 1,800 uh, worked, and so I have four pages. And if you press the cyan, cyan arrows left or right, you'll move through the pages. I got ten pages. <laughs> Winning. <clears throat> I got K5TUX in here. How about that? How about that? Forty meters. JT65. <laughs> <laughs> 
right. Very cool. Yeah. There's lots of statistical information in there. That's awesome. Uh, the next, the next button is the settings button. We kind of understand that we haven't gotten through like every setting there is, but a lot of them are sort of straightforward. Um, did you talk about the call roster? We did. I think you were out of the room. I uh, was probably out of the room. Yeah. <laughs> so we talked about the call roster in that it, it allows you to initiate QSOs. Um, and it filters, uh, the, uh, the traffic, uh, against your log file. Um, you can change the reference that it's referring to, uh, that the call roster is displaying. You can reference the current band and mode that you're on. You can reference against, uh, current band, any mode, current band, any digital mode. Um, and then only calls, calls that you need or grids that you need or DXCCs will actually show up in the list. And if you left click on a call sign, we'll tell WSJTX to initiate a QSO. So, so you can actually enable uh, TX via grid tracker. That's right. Um, only if a station is calling CQ or they are calling QRZ, which I've never seen before, but I looked at the source code for WSJTX, and if somebody's calling QRZ your, um, the, instead of CQ, it, it will let you uh, reply to that. Well, how cool is that? I didn't know you could do a QRZ either, but hey. <laughs> it, it only makes sense, I suppose. So in this in the um, settings for call roster, you can turn on um, alerts, uh, a media file, and specify the maximum age that a call will stay in the roster. So I have my max age set to one minute and thirty seconds. So it's, if it's older than that, they will fall off the list. Um, and then I, if I enable audio alerts on new hits, anytime a new grid, in my case, uh, you know I need you know maybe five more twenty meters for most of the United States. Um, I have that set to a, an audio alert, so I, I crank it up. I leave the room. Um, a call comes in of a, a grid I need in Florida. I get the alert. Oh, that's really cool. I'm going to have to start playing with all this stuff. <laughs> I thought this application was great like an hour ago. Now I, <laughs> I'm probably never going to stop using it. <laughs> um, okay, the next one, I bet I can handle the next one. It's, it's a little <laughs> key icon, and it turns the map legend on and off, and it doesn't apparently do anything else. I don't see any like little Easter eggs or like weird key codes or anything associated. So I think I'm safe in saying that's all that does. <laughs> that's you're right. That's all it does. Okay, fantastic. We got that one. We kind of dedicated a bu- <laughs> button here for everything else. It's all complicated. This is a simple one. Pretty easy. <laughs> and it's right up there with the shadow. <laughs> oh, I love the shadow. that's one of my favorite things it's like the first thing i did when i started this thing up was turn on the gray line um because i love the gray line (laughs) it shows me all the stations i can no longer reach um (laughs) (laughs) so oh in uh did you uh, notice in the maps there are 18 different map styles you can select from no i had no idea (laughs) so if you go go to settings map and (laughs) under current map select the different map style oh nice Oh, you're kidding me. <laughs> it's just too much. I know. <laughs> it's like crazy. I, I, I actually like the default one, but you know what? Here, let me just change it to something randomly. Um, uh, scroll to the bot. Try dark gray by Esri. Okay. I did that. Oh, cool. I like it. And it goes with the dark theme. Yeah. Yeah. And then you turn your grid opacity up. Oh, wait a minute. You can change your grid opacity? Are you kidding me? <laughs> wait, where is that at? Lower right on the map. Grid opacity. Okay. Turn it up. Oh, wow. Look at that. This is insane. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> no application to do all these things. Jeez. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Not right. my stuff over here. Talk about, let's talk about ADIF. <laughs> Uh, I did that. Oh you, well, yeah, but it's a, there's a button. We're, we're there's a button. Yeah. The file browser open. <laughs> yep, this uh, on Mac, Linux, and Windows. It opens up a dialog. You can go uh, navigate to your ADI or ADIF file and load it here. And you said that's persistent, right? Right. Once a, once a native's been loaded, it's sticky. Does it does it get dumped into the grid tracker ADI? Is that is that why uh, no, it's persistent? No. No, it. Uh, I have a separate uh, settings. Uh, out, you know, I save it in the uh, uh, settings file. So it's not reliant on the original ADI. So if the other one goes away, it's still there. That's right. Okay, fantastic. Any any other cool things about that button, or are we going to be able to move on? Yeah, we can move on. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I, I did notice that, like, if you load a uh, ADIF that doesn't have everything kind of flushed out, meaning like. DXCC is marked and stuff like that. It uh, it won't actually go and try to find all that information. Is that true? Um, if if it's missing um, call sign or uh, yeah, pretty, I think it needs a call sign. Um, otherwise, it will it will load everything. It's just a matter of if it's going to represent it on the map. But if you open your stats tab for worked and confirmed, um, they will still show up there, whether or not you've got a grid or your DXCC has been populated. But because if the call sign is populated, if the DXCC is missing, I'll fill it in anyway because I determine it by the prefix of the call sign. Hmm. Well, it's not updating the stats counter <clears throat> at least for me but i've i've had this problem before <laughs> so i've lo- I loaded 4800 contacts in here to uh, notice that i you know qsl the uh, 3100 of them but it shows me it was like uh no dxccs except for of course the u.s <laughs> it's like it's a little off but uh it's probably it's probably my log file because i noticed I've, I've had this problem before we've had to like kind of refeed it through uh cqr log and have it relook up stuff yeah, um, if you actually, um, and so this is this speaks to how quick I am to return around. Send me your log file. I'll check it out and figure out what's what's going wrong. And if it requires an update, I'll get it in the next release. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah. All right. The the next one. The next one's another one we can move right through. So it's uh, solar conditions. <laughs> Current conditions. <laughs> so and then mouse over uh, mouse over the sun. I did. Like I see them up. expanding. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I spent a week on that. <laughs> and it's like four million lines of code because it's all in javascript right and that's one of the things i did without prompting i just started mousing over stuff and i was like "Ooh, it's working <laughs> oh fantastic okay the so, next one uh, oh okay, that, by the way that one re- that uh, uh refresh every 30 minutes okay nice all right and then if you really want to see the moon you can see the moon <laughs> right if you're a, a fan of uh eme this is uh this is your button i know it, and it literally draws the moon <laughs> and then if you mouse over it it gives you the azimuth and elevation and if the azimuth is uh below the horizon line it will go red and if it's from horizon line up to 15 degrees it will be yellow and then green above that apparently the moon is over western australia right now yes <laughs> so it's Below, my antennas are pointing to the ground right now. It's okay, <laughs> now I'm I'm glad we're down past the moon because I want some I want some detailed explanation <laughs> of the next two buttons. <laughs> I bet you do. <laughs> All right, we'll start with the first one. All right, the first one is PSK spots. If uh, you click it, 
Um, it will open up a little window down below all the buttons, a little yellow uh, rectangle that says PSK Reporter RX Report. And every 15 or every five minutes, it will go ask a PSK Reporter who's heard you and uh, if if you have been broadcasting recently, all the stations that have heard you will uh, report back. Well, they report to PSK Reporter. I pull down the list and I draw them on the map. All right. And if you turn that off, you're not using PSK Reporter at all for spots, right? Uh, for receiving, right. Okay. And those are the only two options on that one. So. Um, no. <laughs> uh, oh, no. <laughs> all right. Okay. So have you been on the air uh, recently? Today? I sure have. <laughs> okay. So uh, move the max age slider out until it reaches one day. Okay. And you'll probably see a whole bunch of spots now. Holy crap. Look at that. Yes. <laughs> so if you mouse over a spot, it's a different window than when you mouse over a, gr- a grid. And it'll tell you when they heard you, at what signal strength, what the call was, and where they are. Wow. Now press the magic <laughs> hotkey F. <laughs> F? Oh, now you lose the trace lines. You just get the spots. Okay. Or press F to keep them. Uh, by default, I think I had it off. So you must have uh, happy keyed that one. <laughs> Maybe. Um, yeah, it was showing me the traces, but now it's just showing me the spots. So, so another hotkey for this is if you press T, you'll either merge or unmerge spots with grids. <laughs> so happy. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Very one cool. more. One oh, more. Oh, one this, more. Is, this is a super <laughs> hidden gem. Press the letter H. H. <laughs> oh, a heat map. Are you kidding me? <laughs> That one cost extra. Uh, I don't know. The application's free. What's zero times a million? <laughs> oh, that's so cool. Can you can you do F with H? Uh, no, no. Since there's, it, it's, uh, yeah, no, there's no spots there. <laughs> okay. I just have to ask because you're like throwing all this stuff in. So. <laughs> oh, that's so, cool. So I can show exactly where my antenna sucks. Exactly. <laughs> oh, that's so incredible. I love it. All right. We have another button, another PSK button. So how's this okay. one different from the first one? Okay. So what this is, is this will pull down all traffic that you've reported to PSK Reporter in the last 24 hours. So uh, let's say you had Grid Tracker shut down and you just had WSJTX listening and it reports every decode cycle, everything it heard. So the PSK24 button will pull down what you've reported and display it in in the grids. All right. Any, any like, Easter egg magic with that one, too, or that, is that it? <laughs> that, that's pretty much it. Okay. I, I will it, say it is, that it's overlaying the heat map right now. It is handy if you want to, um, when you first fire up Grid Tracker, to load that because um, for me to draw paths between two stations, I need to know where their grid is. And if we join a conversation already in progress, I might not know the the grid for either of those call signs. This gives me a hint of who they might be, so I'm ready to draw those animation paths between them. Oh, so incredible. I love it. Now, another... Quick feature, uh, speaking of the pass, is if you press A, uh, alpha, it will turn off animation and just go to solid line. Well, who wants that? <laughs> I love the animation. 
That must have cut, that must have been a week too, just trying the animation lines. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was more like two months to get back animation lines since I converted from uh, Google Maps to Open Layers. Uh, when a, a Chrome, I mean Google, decided to start charging for Map API access, um, I had to switch. Oh, we're glad you switched to OpenStreetMap because it's a much better project. So, all right. Okay. The next ones are actually kind of, wait a minute. I have a message. Who's messaging me? Bill, <laughs> Bill is messaging me. What are you doing? We're not even down there yet. Let's wait. Oh, till I, I know. Get... I got so excited. I saw the little flag <laughs> you and stuff ahead. like that. God, it's, it's like you tried like, to get ahead. You're in, in here twice. I was like, how can you do that? And then you reminded me that you had, you had running in two different places. <laughs> yeah. We haven't even talked about the, the sort of like, uh, chaining instances together. We'll get to that. All right. So the next one is actually you turn on whether other people can see if you're using grid tracker, correct? <laughs> right. It shares your online status, your band mode, uh, current frequency and, uh, grid. Right. And then the next one, the little flag, and that allows you to see other people using grid tracker. And if they're using grid tracker, you can see like who they are, et cetera. Right. If you mouse over a flag, it a uh, little uh, animation moves in with the, their call sign. If you left click the flag, you'll do a lookup of that person. Uh, and that's using the lookup engine that you specify in the settings. That's right. All right. Very cool. Hey, I almost feel like I understand half of this. Um, and then finally, the thing that Bill just used is there's a there in with it, you know, within grid tracker, there's a messaging application where you can talk to other people using grid tracker. Yep. It is fully Unicode compliant. So if you want to send your emojis to your best friend or to, uh, have a conversation in Mandarin Chinese using actual Mandarin Chinese, you can do that. Oh, good. We'll have to let ne- uh, Gene know about that. Um, <clears throat> Where's my emoji keyboard? Oh my God. <laughs> uh, right click on the text box and it's the first option should be your emoji. Oh, I don't get that. <clears throat> I, I got to find Bill in my list here. I'm not in uh, Windows though. I'm on a Mac, so I should be able to do it here. You have two instances too running. Who? You. Oh, I bet you my Raspberry Pi 4 is running too. <laughs> I have a run off Fedora here as well. <clears throat> I don't get the emoji option. Fedora says no. Well, they'll have none of that crap. negative negative <laughs> i okay. do notice i'm the only person in montana with it running and there's nobody in wyoming south dakota or north dakota well, that's poor states <laughs> all right so i know that if you set up some of the other logging facilities like eqsl logbook of the world stuff like that you can actually download the adips and that will create new buttons for you right so if you've enabled uh, uh log qrz L-O-T-W or club blog, those buttons will show up. Um, and if you press them um, periodically, let's say you've been working um, uh, stations for a couple of hours and we've been uploading to L-O-T-W, um, if uh, 15, 20 minutes goes by, uh, you can download from L-O-T-W to see if any of those have gone to confirmed. So does this does this actually do the uploading to Logbook of the World for you? Or Yes, yes it does. I know that part. I can answer that question. That's confusing. <laughs> so in the under settings logging, we support sending to QRZ.com, Club Log, HRD Log, and LOTW. We also support local loggers, uh, N1MM, Log4OM, N3FJPAC Log, DX Keeper, and HRD Logbook. I don't see CQR log there. <laughs> <laughs> you can import using an native file. Well, there's already the bridge between that and WSJTX, and you could run this as a side to it. Uh, right, exactly. 
So all right, I, so I do all my. But my, if you got a log of you, I'm going to support. Send me the details, and I'll add it. Well, I think once you load the ADIF, I think you don't really need it that much anymore. You know, you'd need it for confirmations, really. That'd be about it. Okay. But, I mean, if you want to, you can definitely look at it. <laughs> All right. So let's talk about the waterfall. Uh, the decode waterfall is what it's called. Yeah, let's talk about that. So under general, they have an option. Uh, there's an option under your center grid squares to decode waterfall, or decode traffic waterfall. And when it's enabled, the uh, decodes in reverse order as they come in from WSJTX will populate here. If you're uh, talking to someone, um, let's say, or if you're initiating a QSO of somebody that's already in the waterfall, um, their call sign will be highlighted in yellow. Um, if somebody calls you, your the, the, your call sign will be highlighted in blue, so you can actually see if anybody's calling you in the waterfall itself. Uh, that's cool. I was wondering where that data was coming from, and that shows up down at the very bottom of the right-hand column. So Right. And if you expand your screen, if you have a larger screen, uh, like a 1080 or higher, um, you can get a lot of data in there. Um, if you have alerts or custom alerts, if a, a alert is fired because of a particular decode, a yellow triangle with an explanation point will show up on the left side of that line that will ca- that caused the alert. Um, if it was a custom alert, it'll be a red check mark on the right hand side. The excellent. Oh, there's just so many ways to visualize this data. It's amazing, and I'm I'm glad that you sort of addressed all of them. I mean, even ones that people even wouldn't even think I would think uh, to see them. And I'm I'm willing to bet you that's because you probably use all of these, or if not, someone has suggested them as an option. Exactly. Um, most of this, almost 90% of it has been driven by uh, user requests from, from hams. Well, that's fantastic. Obviously, lots of hams use it. Um, all you have to do is click on the little flag icon to see. <laughs> all, oh, and, all... <laughs> and one more thing on that. Uh, the next release, there'll be a third state to that flag, which will be um, only the flags of uh, users who are on your current banded mode. Oh, that'll be nice. Well, I'll tell you what, I'm exhausted. <laughs> let's see let me go back to the syllabus just to make sure i didn't touch on anything i'm pretty sure we we got through everything though i mean there's a lot oh, of stuff there multiple instances oh that's right that's the one thing we sort of didn't touch on and i'm actually using that feature of multiple instances where you can sort of chain together instances of grid tracker i have i have one running that's listening to my wsjtx instance on the same machine my hamshack computer and it's also forwarding that information to another instance on a mac os box where i'm actually viewing all of this cool stuff right now one thing i did notice about that is there's no synchronization of log information across those multiple instances that is correct. The logs are handled by uh, that that instance. The grid tracker has to have those logs loaded locally. Or if you uh, you just use QRZ as an example, um, if you're downloading QRZ, then it would be synchronized. So if you have a local logger, then it won't. If you're using an online logger, then it will. All right. Very cool. Well, I, I, did, I did buy a import, so... There is more to that. So you're, <laughs> of course you're running, there is. <laughs> you're running Grid Tracker in a forward mode, and so the 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 one you're forwarding to cannot initiate QSOs. Only the primary one, the one that's getting the messages from WSJTX in your current configuration, it can actually reply to or reply to a QSO or a, a 
a uh, CQ um, because you're running in forward mode. If you want to run Grid Tracker and WSGTX, so either of those machines can initiate a QSO, you want to enable multicast, and that would be changing your IP from 127.001 in WSGTX to 224.001. And then in both copies of Grid Tracker, enable multicast and enter that IP, and then each of them can initiate QSOs. And you would disable forwarding at that at that point. Wow. I got I got so much more to do. <laughs> That's and so, very cool. And you can also in setting you can you can export. Let's say you want to move grid tracker to another machine and you've got your settings just right and you don't want to start over. You can export your settings in one grid tracker, go to your documents folder, documents grid tracker, and your settings will be setting there in a JSON file. Copy that to the new machine, fire up a new installation of Grid Tracker, open up settings, and import that file. I, I did see that option for exporting the configuration, and that's that's a great feature as well, along with all the other ones. So did we miss any uh, cool Easter eggs? Uh, can't really think of one. The most exciting one is the heat map. <laughs> the heat map one is very cool. And I'm, <laughs> I'm actually still on that screen just so I can toggle back and forth between it. <laughs> Oh, that's so cool. All right, Bill, I'm going to let you handle the next minute or two and see if uh, there's anything else that Tag wants to talk about as far as Grid Tracker. I'll be right back. Yeah, so uh, I guess we'll kind of go through the wrap-up things. We already talked about the website, which is tagloomis.com for uh, for downloading the awesome application. Um, we have the uh, help locations. So I noticed there's a uh, as an online help file that you can download, like a PDF. Is there any other uh, help locations documentation? Uh, not yet. No, it's not just yet. the quick start guide that was last updated April sixth of last year. Okay, so that's one of the advantages of doing a you know like a GitHub project. Like documentation can be one of those things. <laughs> People can start committing <laughs> committing into the documents. Like, oh, I found this feature and it's this and so on and so forth. But we'll, yeah. we'll get there for sure. Yeah, uh, absolutely. So developer support, uh, of course, it's closed closed source right now, and you're you're thinking about possibly. It's closed source, but it is open for people to play with. So, you know, like I said, if you navigate to the program directory um, into the package .end and w under lib is all the source code that you can go play with and do with what you will. Just ask that you not, you know, repackage it and call it your own. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Lovely JSON and uh, JavaScript stuff here. <laughs> I did open up with uh, VS Code just to take a look, a uh, quick look at it. And, and I'm also like, a little nervous. I mean, I would take it open source, uh, but it's, you know, it's some of it's spaghetti code. Some of it's real, well written. So, you know, hit or miss. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> you'd be surprised what's out there in production. <laughs> Some of the worst apps I've seen are like enterprise apps. So, um, I would, I would, I've not seen anything in here that, uh, scares me whatsoever. So, uh, um, except for the fact that it's all JavaScript. <laughs> <laughs> I love typeless stuff. That's great. Now. Um, so we got community contributions, not yet because it's uh closed and you have your, uh, but if people want to contribute back, let's say they did go in and fiddle around with the JavaScript and said, Hey, I got this really awesome feature idea and this is how I want to solve it. They can get in contact with you. And, uh, I didn't believe you gave us all your contact details. How can people find you on like, uh, you know, Twitter, Facebook and all those other places? Oh, uh, Facebook. We have a, a group page, uh, grid tracker, um, email address, grid tracker at gmail.com. 
Um, we have a Discord channel that you can find rather than to say the short name here. Uh, just visit uh, n0ttl.com or gridtracker.com or tagloomis.com. You'll, you'll get to our website. Awesome. And are you on Twitter? Uh, Henry maintains a Twitter feed, but uh, I hasn't been updated in a while. Um, so okay. no. <laughs> <laughs> so nothing there. Okay, no problem. And then uh, I, I think you kind of touched on this a little bit on the future plans and feature requests and stuff like that. Let's say somebody has a has a feature request, uh, they would go to the Facebook group. Would be the best place for them to go to. Uh, or just shoot me an email. Gridtracker at gmail dot com is the quickest way, and uh, most things get implemented. And uh, what and, did you find, Russ, while you were gone? I didn't find anything. I didn't find any like hidden features anything. or anything like that. No, no, I didn't. I mean, I think he's pretty much elucidated most of them. Oh, oh. so I got some more hidden features if you want. Okay, wait, wait, wait. Uh, what was the thing for bringing up? Oh, it was F1, right? Uh, to bring up the, yeah. Yep. The, okay. So, Are, is anything you're going to talk about right now in this list? <laughs> uh, no. No, okay. So, so this is useless. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> So right-clicking and holding and uh, holding down uh, the right mouse button on any grid square will show you that grid, the distance from you, its azimuth, its latitude and longitude to the center of the grid, any country that's in it, and in the case of like the United States and Canada, it will tell you which states and provinces are in that grid. Okay, wait a minute. Whoa, whoa, whoa. What, what was that? <laughs> How okay. do you invoke that? So anywhere on the map that does not have an active grid in it. Okay. Like... Uh, border on um lake ontario okay uh between the united states and canada and it will tell you um location where where that grid is uh in relation to you distance and azimuth um and the each of the countries and their primary prefixes and the, the state or province that's in that grid oh look at that <laughs> now if you mouse over to germany and france i have i have so here's here's the thing uh Henry and I spent two weeks hand mapping every grid to every state, province, country, DXCC. So <laughs> by hand. You're the, insane. There was no information <laughs> available, so we had to we had to wing it ourselves. Wow, that's incredible. Um I I will point out that you have to hold down the right click. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> now if you right click an active grid, it'll pop out that grid information into its own window. Yes, it will. <laughs> that code was written by Henry. <laughs> um, and I will say this because I've already checked. Uh, it only works on the four wide, not the six wide. <laughs> Wait, it, the right click on a six wide won't it, pop open? Uh, maybe an existing one. Let me let me go to an existing six wide. Hang on. Oh, right, right. It won't do it on the... Uh... Right. That would be way too much information. <laughs> Yeah, it will it will do it on a an existing six wide, but if you just do click a random spot on the map, it, it it'll only show you four wide information. Right, right. Yeah. Okay, I'll get right on that. <laughs> <laughs> You've done this to yourself, is all I can say. Um <laughs> uh, all right. Anything else? <laughs> I'm I'm waiting for the next new revelation. <laughs> Nothing new for me. Um, if anybody has any ideas, uh, we're all ears. I'm, I'm ready to add it. So I've been, sl- I've slowed down. Uh, it feels like the past three months, the email request for new features has gone way down. So I feel like I've got a product now. You certainly have, uh, a full feature product. There's no question about that. I'm noticing. Okay. So, 
just a thing here. Um, what was that coming up with? Oh, if you hover over, if you hover over a spot, you get information on the spot on the map. But if you hover over a flag, you get the information on the station in the upper right. Yeah, that's a leftover. I mean, I could put it, I should put it next to the flag. I could do that. I wanted to be uh, fancy with animations of HTML because I figured out how to do it. (laughs) (laughs) That's how it always happens. Yep. So I think that makes sense that I'll move the flags back to just like the grids and the the spots. Yeah, anchor the mouse. Yep, very cool. Oh, I think I just created a feature request. There you go. It's a user experience bug. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm telling you, it's only because he told us about all this cool stuff. And so now I'm just like clicking and right-clicking and shift-clicking and control-clicking like everything there is just to find out if it does anything. So, <laughs> well, maybe we can do another one, and we can just go talk about the call roster. So, because that's a show in of itself. Oh, did we not touch on the call roster? Uh, there's a. Uh, we just went over the basics. There's a whole bunch you can do with it, but I don't think uh, you want to go to a three-hour show. Well, probably <laughs> not. But if you, if you can if you can wrap up the call roster in another show, we'd love to have you back and uh, have you talk about that. Oh, that'd be great. And then you'll uh, you'll have the uh, the flag animation fixed by then too probably so oh, definitely <laughs> all right well he's yeah, really slack on releases here. Uh, i like know the last I... release was just two days ago so and there and there were two of them <laughs> two of them yeah <laughs> well, low, but, that's that's the worst kind of release oh that's yeah whoops oops. <laughs> <laughs> sorry about that it looks like uh, uh wsjtx uh, 211 will probably have a new uh ga out as well some people have been having problems with uh a few Mac OS systems and stuff like that loading up. So <laughs> it's, uh, it's not unheard of to run into those kind of issues. So let's send it to the listeners here in the chat room real quick to see if anybody has anything they want to ask of uh, Tag while he's here. Although it looks like we're probably going to have him back to talk about the call roster um, and whatever improvements will happen between now and the next time we talk to him, which if it's two or four weeks from now, will probably be 76 revisions. Um, and Don in the chat room says, overwhelmed. <laughs> it is it is a little overwhelming, isn't it? <laughs> I, I love I have to say I'm a I'm a real fan of data visualization just in general. And you really have this this thing in spades, I'll tell you what. Oh thank you. Thank and, you. And it's it's only, been a labor of love, I tell you. Not not only is it decent as far as the visualization is concerned, but it's extraordinarily useful. I mean, it's not just pretty for the sake of being pretty which uh, is excellent as far as I'm concerned. So we've got, wow. <laughs> uh, someday I'll get an antenna to be able to play with all this stuff. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like me. <laughs> Not lack of antennas. It's lack of putting them all up. <laughs> well, this has really forced a lot of people to rethink. As an example, Henry, he uh, is a tech and he can only play on 10 meters with us. And so it was, he had a small window this summer to play. So he'd, I've been driving him and he's been wanting to get his general so he can come play down, down low with us. Absolutely. I've actually had a couple of like within the last couple of weeks, recent uh, 10 meter FT8 contacts. Um, you, you do find it open every once in a while. I work a lot of uh, 10 through 17 on FT8 and um, you know, it's out there if you want to be persistent. So, all right. Well, uh, techs get a little bit of 82, don't they? Or is it not in the digital? Not the digital. Yeah, okay. Technically, I don't think they're supposed to have digital on uh, 10 meters. On either, 10 but either. But 
It's supposed to be CW, but no, I don't think anybody really pays attention to that. <laughs> <laughs> the other bands, it's a little more obvious. <laughs> All right. Well, this has been truly fantastic, and I've loved finding out everything we there is to know, uh, apparently, except for the call roster about <laughs> Grid Tracker and its integration with WSJTX. And I'm definitely going to be using this every day from now until forever. So, Oh, that's wonderful. <laughs> and hopefully... Uh, you'll have some other folks using it too after hearing this and finding out all the keys. And I'm, I'm basically just going to cut and paste a screenshot of the F1 output into the show notes so people can find all those things <laughs> uh, that it can do. And if you notice uh, another hidden gem in the <laughs> F1 oh, no. down below, hit print. And it'll take you to my website so you can actually print out the hot sheet. <laughs> yeah, I did oh. see that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, very nice. All right, Tag. Well, I want to thank you uh, wholeheartedly for this deep dive into Grid Tracker. Um, I I kind of expected it to be not even a tenth of what we got. (laughs) So uh, I'm really happy that you decided to join us tonight, and we will definitely get in touch with you again so we can talk a little bit more about some of the really advanced features of Grid Tracker uh, in the coming weeks. All right. Sounds great. Thank you for listening. I feel like I have diarrhea of the mouth. There's not, so much, so much to talk about. Yeah, there is. Um, and that's usually what happens when we have these deep dives. But um, I think we really got through most of it. And I and I honestly think we got right from the beginning to getting it set up, connecting with WSJTX and to the point of uh, most people's average daily usage of something like a tracker all the way through uh, some of the special features. But um, we're looking forward to revisit it. And thank you again. And no uh, with that, we probably should wrap up the interview and let you go along your way. And we do have a couple of announcements that we're going to get to. So let's get to them. Bill, you want to handle the first one? Yeah, sure. Mentioned by a couple of LHS listeners from Phil Karn, KA9Q, on the 44 net mailing list. Quote, I have very sad news. My good friend Brian Cantor, WB6CYT, suddenly passed away this week at his home in San Diego, California. Brian retired only two years ago after 47 years of service on the staff at the University of California, San Diego. Way back in the mid-1980s, Brian and I founded Ampernet, uh, the TCPIP over uh, Amateur Radio Network. He continued to manage it until his passing. Brian recently created and served as chair and CEO of Amateur Radio Digital Communications, ARDC, a charitable foundation funded by the sale of unused AmperNet IPv4 addresses. <clears throat> ARDC promotes STEM education and amateur radio digital development through scholarships and by funding the development of open source hardware and software. Brian will be sorely missed and impossible to replace. Memorial ar- arrangements will be announced uh, when known, unquote. And that source is over from Slashdot. And yeah, this has definitely been making the rounds in a uh, big, uh, big, uh, big, uh, impact to the community. Yeah, absolutely. And the amateur radio and just the general computing and networking arenas, um, Ampernet, a big player for sure. And just TCP IP over, uh, amateur radio frequencies, et cetera. So it's a big loss to the community, but at least he got a lot of the heavy lifting done before he passed away. And so we have all of the things that they were a part of, uh, to be thankful for going forward. Uh, thanks for the, the folks who listen to the show for, for pointing out, uh, the story. Well, actually, there's, there's lots of stories out there about this. Uh, we just chose one of them to go with. And, 
We have an email from Bill Wright, who's associated with the Northwest Linux Fest, uh, which Bill was at last year yep. and didn't do anything for us while he was there. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Bill says, it, uh, this is the other Bill, Bill Wright, says, uh, it's our 21st year. Don't forget, Linux Fest Northwest call for presentation sponsors and exhibitors is now open. Check out lfnw.org for details. They are a 501c3 nonprofit organization, and of course, they put on a really good ham fest, or not ham fest, Linux fest <laughs> out there. It's good. We're going to turn it into a ham fest. That's what we're going to do. You're going to, yes, gonna... there's, there's enough ham people showing up there, I think. And, yeah. uh, there was definitely some, uh, interesting, uh, kind of tippy toe <laughs> into a ham radio with a, uh, an SDR topic from uh, somebody doing ADSB and, uh, couple other various uh, open source topics that of course uh, slide right into uh, the ham radio uh, toolbox so uh, I, I'm not sure if I'm gonna go back because I have to make a few extra trips this coming year so uh, but I, I highly recommend it highly highly recommend it it was it was a great time a lot of fun um, um, if you're a fan of uh, Jupiter broadcasting they do a lot of sponsorship of stuff out there. And of course, uh, they're now owned by what, uh, Linux Academy. So I would, I would assume that relationship is going to continue and you'll see a lot of them out there. Uh, last time, uh, obviously, uh, the guys from the UK actually flew over as well. So it was, uh, interesting to meet the guys from Ubuntu and stuff like that. So, uh, um, yeah, definitely a fun one, um, to go, uh, to go see. So, uh, if you're making plans to be out in the, in the Northwest, that would be a great one to go, go, go to. Yep, absolutely. Out in Bellingham, Washington, and it's what January? Did they do it in January? Uh, no, I think February? it was in April. April. Oh, they moved it out. I thought it was earlier. Yeah, oh no, it's, it was uh, close because I like went to that, and then scale you know, is like in January or something. Scale is earlier. Yeah. yeah. Let's see. Linux Fest Northwest. Yeah, the end of April, April twenty sixth through twenty or twenty fourth through twenty sixth, right. and it's held there at the Bellingham Technical College, which is a great campus for uh, for this kind of activity. Very cool. So if you can get out there, you should definitely check it out. And if you want to do a uh, presentation, sponsorship, or exhibiting, exhibiting, exhibitoring, uh, they're looking for folks uh, for the next one, the 21st, coming up in 2020. And with that, we have come down to the end of the program. So we want to thank TAG, N0TTY, or uh, sorry, N0TTL. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> sorry, I'm thinking of like all of these computer Thermal terms time. I knew. It's like, uh, no, no time, to, time live. to live. Time yeah, to live. No yeah. time to live. N0TTL. Uh, for being here with us and telling us all about Grid Tracker, and he'll be back on the show before you know it. And with that, uh, for Cheryl, W5MOO, who's on assignment this week, and myself, Russ, K5TUX, uh, we're going to sign off and we'll let Bill do his usual thing before we go out of here. This has been episode number 313 of Linux in the Ham Shack, and Bill is going to say, as he usually does... <laughs> <laughs> this is Bill Lanny Forty Seventy For listening to this episode of Linux in the Hamshack. LHS is a community sponsored podcast. The live show is recorded every Monday night at 8 pm Central Time, plus or minus QRL. 
connect to the live stream at url.bcts.info stroke LHS live. Our website is located at lhspodcast.info. You can support the podcast by visiting the LHS Patreon page at patreon.com stroke LHS podcast or by using the contribute link on the homepage. Get in touch via social media. We have a presence on Discord, Facebook, IRC, Twitter, and YouTube. Our IRC channel is hash LHS podcast on the Freenode network, and the Discord invite link is url.bcts.info stroke Discord. You can also drop us an email at info at lhspodcast.info or leave us a voicemail at 1-909-LHS-SHOW. That's 1-909-547-7469. Visit the online LHS merchandise store at shop.lhspodcast.info for fun and fashionable show-themed merchandise. Become an ambassador and represent LHS at a local Linux convention or ham fest. Email ambassadors at lhspodcast.info for more information or visit the homepage for details. Until next time, remember to always heed your hedonism. Shack and the Linux in the Hamshack logo are released under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial No Derivatives 4.0 International License.